Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is Mailbag. What is Mailbag? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions if you're watching live. But what if you're watching the John Campia Show any of the other 22 hours during the day? Well, good news. You can also send in questions for me and Robert to talk about by simply using the tip link down in the description below. Simply click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on movie bag if, or movie bag, mailbag, if indeed we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show. And of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. And we are here to do mailbag and get to the questions you guys sent in. And I am, of course, joined by Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, it's always a pleasure to hear from the viewers. And you know, we are 24 hours away. Well, 26, 27 hours from now. Let's say 26 hours from now, we're going to be getting in a car. Brought the wrong screen. We're going to be getting in a car, driving to go see our screening of the Batman. Dude. Like about 29 hours from now, we will have seen the Batman. Dude. My most anticipated movie of the year. Dude. So excited. I am so excited for this movie. I have to tell you, I mean, I think, I, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I was more of a Batman guy than a Spider-Man guy. So to have this kind of an epic Batman movie, John, once in a lifetime, three hours long, come on. Very excited about it. And the reviews have been strong and we can't wait to see it. And we also can't wait to get to your questions, guys. So let's get on over to it and start taking them right now. We're going to get things started off here with <laughs> Terry McGinnis. I got a feeling it's going to be a Batman Beyond question. I hope so, because I'm a fan, John. Uh, he writes, I love Batman Beyond, and Warner Brothers does too. Uh, this new Batgirl HBO movie is basically a version of Batman Beyond, not even slightly. Uh, gender slash character swapped. Old Bruce mentoring young Batgirl. I'd wager more people would like to see Batman Beyond than Batgirl, but I'll take either. I, I mean, look, here's the reality. Nobody cares about Batman Beyond. Why do you keep saying that? It's true. The show lasted a measly three seasons. But they did make an animated movie. That nobody, that never actually did anything real. I mean, lots of people made straight-to-home video movies. That doesn't mean anything. Look. It's so good, though. If lots of people wanted Batman Beyond, there would be Batman Beyond. It's that simple. He's in the video games. Hot what? Toys made a Batman Beyond figure. Hot Toys made a lot of figures, and nobody would go and watch their movie. Oh, I mean, here's the reality. Rob, you always say, it's show business it's true if these studios are all whores they'll go to wherever the money is because they're greedy and if warner brothers thought for one second that their data justified the idea that a batman beyond would make them money you don't think they would have made it by now of course they would have made it by now but the reality is they had a show that very few people watched i mean i get it some people yell at me all of my friends watched it well that's good for you and your circle of friends but not a lot of people did, or else it would have lasted more than three seasons. And it would have had more traction by now. And I get in the fan community has a very strong following. Now, but that all being said, I've said before, I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
probably breathed a lot of life into the idea of a Batman Beyond. I, I agree. Think probably even people in Warner Brothers saw the success that Into the Spider-Verse had. Very similar situation. It's not your mainline understood Spider-Man. Everybody knows Peter Parker. This is Miles Morales. And it worked. A younger, a younger version of the character, it worked there. And that probably gave it a little bit of life over here. But I'm still telling you, if I was a WB exec, I wouldn't green light it because I honestly do not think it would make money. I don't think enough people care, but that's just me. I think they might take a shot at it sometime. What do you think? John, and don't be love... clouded by the fact that you like this. Character. No, I understand you make some cogent salient points. I, I, I can't deny that, but I would say I think that Batman Beyond was never something that was seen as being, it was an adjunct to what they were doing with mm. Batman, the animated that's series. Put it, yeah. So, so I think, you know, it was a really interesting show. It had some really interesting, it was like Batman meets science fiction, almost Batman meets Blade Runner in a way. And I yeah. thought it was done really well. And I love the way, I love what it sets up. The old grizzled, <laughs> I'm sneezing. The old grizzled Bruce Wayne yeah. uh, mentoring another young upstart in a technologically advanced world. I thought that was really cool. And it, the show is really good. Eh. I thought it was all right. The Joker stuff they did was actually quite interesting. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, look. But I let think, me ask you seriously. <clears throat> if they make a Batman Beyond, do you think this is actually going to get a lot of attention? I think if they did it, it... Remember, the world has also changed a bit since since yeah. the show aired. And I do think that now there might be an audience that wasn't watching it first run, that didn't know about it, that now... I think it could be pretty cool, depending on where they go. But look, do I think they're going to make one? Mm, probably not. Would I, mean, I, I do like think the one? chances today are much higher than they were before Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Not that that means it's a 90% chance, but I would have said before Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 2% chance. Today, I might say 20. Well, and I also think like whatever across the Spider-Verse turns out to be, it looks more, I mean, it, it has a a batman beyond field because of spider-man 2099 right i mean there's that too all right next up uh we've got paul who writes bless you man thank now, you paul writes hi jessica chastain did an interview with variety and she talked about the negative campaign against zero dark 30 do you think chastain was better in zero dark 30 than jennifer lawrence who one best actress was in silver linings playbook no i love jessica chastain i love Me her too and she was great in Zero Dark Thirty. She was. She wasn't as good as Jennifer Lawrence, in my in, in my estimation, at any rate, uh, as Jennifer Lawrence was in Silver Linings Playbook. So I, that's my take on what about you? I completely agree. I love Jessica Chastain. What Jennifer Lawrence did in Silver Linings Playbook was more difficult, I think, in terms of the the emotional range yeah. she had to cover. Whereas Chastain was playing a, a military and officer. Played it great. great. She was wonderful. Not as complex. Yeah. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that that Jessica Chastain isn't as good of an actress as Jennifer Lawrence. I'm not saying right. that. I'm just saying, if you're t pulling out those two projects, I think Silver Linings Playbook was the better showcase for Jennifer Lawrence than Zero Dark Thirty it, it was. It required for her to have more of an emotional range than Jessica Chastain, which she did. delivered on. Absolutely. Yeah. But right. both great performances. Excellent performances. Next up, uh, Dick Grayson writes, "Hey everyone." The Batman is also my most anticipated movie of the year. You, me, both, Dick Grayson, uh, which has made me think a lot about my favorite movies recently. One of mine that is not discussed much is 310 to Yuma. You must not hang around here very much because we talk about 310 to Yuma. We were talking about it a few just, hours ago. Just this morning. Uh, I think Russell Crowe's character is just amazing thoughts. 310 to Yuma is my second favorite Western. Besides the immortal Unforgiven, 
310 to Unima is actually my second favorite Western. It's and really yeah, great. Russell Crowe. But here's the coolest thing about that movie. You got Russell Crowe and Christian Bale, two of the, I mean, again, if acting was, was mutants, two of the most powerful mutants in the world, Russell Crowe, Christian Bale. And they both got upstaged by Ben Foster, who just has made a career out of nobody knowing his name and upstaging everybody he's in a movie with. Uh, I Hel love that. Helen Highwater. Oh, my God. Look how good he was in that. Dude. 30 Days a Night. It was a huge role, but how good was he in 30 Days a Night? So I good. I love this guy. And he was the first angel in X-Men yep. Last Stand. That's right. And he was great there, too. Trying to saw off his own wings. <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I love that movie, Dick. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Joey Hamilton writes, on the Oscars, what if the NFL decided all special teams will no longer be televised live because offense and defense are more popular? Uh, then they showed uh, little snips of the plays after the commercial break. That's how I feel about the recent decision. That's great, but they're completely uncomparable. Touchdowns can be scored on special teams. Turnovers can happen on special teams. Points go on the board with special teams. Things the audience does care about. But I'll tell you what, going along with your analogy, I am all for getting rid of the kickoff. I'm all for getting rid of, honestly, I am seriously all for eliminating the kickoff. Because 90% of the kickoffs these days just get kicked through the end zone anyway. So why not just eliminate the kickoff, save a bunch of time, save a bunch of TV and watching time, and just say, if you're really concerned about uh, players getting injured at the kickoffs because you got so many players running full speed down the field, blah, blah, and most of the time, they've moved the placement of the ball to the 25. You get the ball just on the 25. The vast majority of the time, they just kick it through the end zone. I'm all for canceling that. But if you're going to have it, touchdowns can happen. Turnovers can happen. So it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison with this thing. The fact of the matter is, here's a better comparison, Rob. If in the NFL, every kickoff went into the end zone and it ended up in a touchback, and then that's the proper comparison to Best Hair and Makeup Oscar. Because you know, it's it's if that were to happen every time in the game, every time they did it, the audience would not be all that interested. And I would be perfectly good with them saying, well, then don't televise that part. Run a commercial during that part and come back when the real game is going to start. Now, I, for one, adore the hair and makeup and all that kind of stuff. And it was all up to me and all that kind of stuff. I would keep them in there. But you cannot make an argument that the audience cares about those categories. It's not about whether the audience should or should not, because obviously they should. But it's also just as obvious that they don't. And if that's the case, and again, Rob, I'm willing to bet dollars to dimes that after the Oscars are done and we honestly sit down to evaluate, we're going to say, you know, what? we barely noticed. We barely yeah, but, noticed. Although I could be wrong about that, in which case I'll be very. But pissed. here's the thing. I mean, I don't think the audience is the right gauge. It, for the show, yes. But this is, after all, the Oscars. And first and foremost, it has to be about the art form of movie making. Uh, and they're just getting recognized. People are still getting their Oscars. But they, but they're, they're, there's now a hierarchy. A movie can't be made without editing. A movie can't. Can you imagine if 
John Williams. You yourself always use the example of the Hollywood Bowl when you saw Spielberg come out. Yep, we, and play the beginning of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, with music and without. Yep, people love the score. People go to see John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl. Why is it not fair to then award the Oscars live? I mean, Honestly, the, the best score alive on the Oscars. It's it's when it comes down to practical things, it's going to be no. There's going to be no difference. I honestly but feel then like really people, people are getting upset just to get upset. But people only care about then best picture and the actors, and that's all. Why why award best director? I, I think a lot of people do care about Best Director. But, I mean, editorial is as important to a film as any other discipline. I'm not disagreeing. But, but again, people keep trying to make this a discussion about is the are these categories important? Mm. That's not the criteria. Right. The criteria is do the audience, does the viewing audience who are tuning into this show, do they care? And they don't. But, but, but it, the show is not, I mean, ultimately it has to be about... The Oscars themselves. And they the are. The they're still getting their Oscars. They're still being awarded. And they're still going to be televised. It's just not going to be live. That it It's going to be a, an hour old. That's the only, Honestly, that's the only difference. Now, like I said, if we watch this and it goes the way you fear it will go and some other people fear it will go, and that's the way it goes, like it totally feels like, like the video game awards. Here are the nominees for this category, and here is the winner. Let's move on to the next thing now. If they do that, I'm getting off this bandwagon and I'm totally getting on your bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, look. 100%. I, but I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I just think that at the end of the day, it has to be, like, I'd say, if anything, make it a day-long event like the Super Bowl. And 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 if you're going to really celebrate the art of filmmaking, and there's more people now actually making films than ever before with their phones, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, the art of all of filmmaking I think if they celebrated it even more, because more of the audience itself is actually making films in their small way, perhaps they could bring people in and get them more interested. Well, in they've these tried for seventy years. It, it hasn't I, worked I, for seventy. Years. I know. I would say, you know what? Going back to the football analogy, here's another one. You ever notice when it comes to MVP, it's only ever quarterbacks. Every once in a while, it'll be a running back. Yeah. Every once, I think maybe a wide receiver has won it once or twice. I don't know if a defensive player has, a, I mean, an argument to be made that Aaron Donald has been the best player in the National Football League for the last five years, but he's not, I don't believe he's ever been, he's, he's, uh, I, I honestly don't know if a defensive player has ever won MVP. Somebody write in and let me know. But if the Super Bowl taught us anything, games are won and lost by your offensive line. Oh, the, the Seahawks could tell you that. Oh, the Seahawks could absolutely <laughs> tell you that. But if you watch the Super Bowl, you know you, you win and lose based on your offensive line. Yeah. Those are the MVPs. But they are never, they're not the ones who get their t-shirts sold. They're not the ones who get put in the NFL commercials. They're not the ones who get awarded at the, the whatever. They're not what they call in the business the skilled positions or the ones the audience get. Should the NFL be required to promote and sell left tackles, shirts, and paraphernalia as much as they do, uh, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a, a wide receiver right now, but like go back to the day if they want to sell Megatron's shirt or if you want to sell, you know, uh, Adrian Peterson's shirt. If you want, I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a difficult thing. But again, I think we need to reserve judgment until we see how it 
how they right, do it. Right, right, Um, Because, again, if they do it the way you're fearing, I just think the idea is a slippery upset. slope. Why not make them an hour long and get rid of uh, everything? See, I, but... don't, I, don't, I don't do slippery slope arguments. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. I just think that's a... That's a, a slippery slope arguments or a fallacy because that's saying if you do this, then you will do this. It's like, I, no. <laughs> but well, I it's, but it opens a door to say, you know, we got rid of these. Well, let's make the show an hour long. But you know, I would think from a from a monetary standpoint, if people are still tuning in and watching, make it four or five, six hours. Make the whole thing. Make it a day, noon to six. Uh, but that's become a problem today. As attention spans get shorter and shorter and shorter, that's just not practical. And by the way, somebody wrote into to me the other day said, "You know what? A lot of the major award shows have categories that they present offline. I know, and no one ever complains about it. No one's ever said one thing about it." But now that it's the Oscars, because we like to complain about the Oscars, I'm not saying I'm not one of those people, because we like to complain about the Oscars, this has become a thing. But again, let's just see how it plays out, and we'll go from there. All right, next up, uh, let's see, LJ uh, Andrade writes, I have a theory about the multiverse of madness. No. Somebody I, John, writing with a theory I, about the multiverse of madness? I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Uh, LJ writes, I have a theory about the multiverse of madness. In the Super Bowl trailer and main trailer, it supposedly showed zombie Wanda and her fighting the Illuminati, which I actually think is our main Wanda possessing variant Wanda, thus having the red eyes. Yeah. Could Listen, be, look, look, all I know is that we saw in the trailer there are multiple versions of Wanda. We saw Wanda standing with herself. So how far they're going to go with that, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Or is that a vision? Or is it a dream or a vision or something like that? So I don't and know. But... A, a different vision than the guy vision. <laughs> yeah, not white vision. Yeah, not a vision. A vision. vision. Or... Uh, so, LJ, you might be absolutely on the money with that. All right, next up. Uh, Tatman writes, one of two. I finished watching your Batman Begins movie club, and it inspired me to go back and watch the trilogy. Nice. Mm. Dark Knight Rises uh, being, uh, being of movie. Let me try this again. Inspired me to go back and watch the Dark Knight, uh, the the trilogy. Dark Knight Rises being, oh, beginning of movie. Alfred tells Bruce, seven years you were gone. I wish you never came back. I was hoping you found a better life. I think this was referring to his time traveling before the events of Batman begins. Oh, yeah, I, I think absolutely that's what it was. I remember you guys wondering just how long he was in and out of prisons testing his limits. Oh, actually, that, yeah, because we did wonder about that. It's like, we talked about it. The movie itself, Batman Begins, never lays out for us how long he was gone. But, yeah, if that's the line from Alfred, that actually spells out a timeline pretty effectively, right? Yeah, although I think, yes, it does. But I bet he was gone even longer than that. And I don't think he was just in and out of prisons. I think he was traveling. No, no, no. he wasn't in and out of prisons. He was going. He was going to like India to find the the, the people with enlightenment, the Maharaji or whatever you call it. Probably went to Africa to talk to teachers. Went to Asia throughout Asia. Anyone who had something to teach him, whether it was philosophically, scientifically, something about detection or whatever, he probably traveled the world learning as much as he could. Absolutely. All right. Next up. We've got Sam Fisher, who writes, one of two. Talking about Hugh Jackman, I had a buddy whose sister went to school with Hugh Jackman's kid. Oh, very neat. Wow. My buddy and I were walking in our neighborhood, and we ran into his mother coming out of a store with a guy. I tune out a bit, and when my buddy and his mom say bye, I look up uh, to say goodbye to the guy, and the guy was Hugh Jackman. And I think <laughs> this was before Logan came out. Also, in that school was Vincent D'Onofrio's son, and we were on the same 
together once, the same something together once, I transferred to the high school. Yeah, I have heard. There were interviews where Hugh Jackman talks about, you know, cutting back on his schedule because he wants to take his kids to school. I remember hearing that. Yep. So that totally fits in with that. You know, it's really funny too. I was watching, I can't remember what it was specifically, but it was Hugh Jackman being interviewed for something. And it was in the pandemic era. So he was on Skype, right? And it was like a good half hour interview. And it's just so funny watching Hugh Jackman being interviewed and walking behind him and his, is his wife literally like with a laundry hamper of one of her kids. And one of the kids, one of his children then walking behind him to go to the front door. And I guess he's got a daughter that's got a boyfriend maybe. And like the boyfriend just comes in, he's standing there in the background and he turned around and waved. It was like, you don't think of these people as having a regular home life. It's like, his home life just looks like all of our home life. It's, and he's just such a down-to-earth guy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the thing is, look, even you and I, we're on a screen in people's, wherever they are, on their phones, on their computers. Mm. I mean, we have lives outside of the time we're broadcasting. Normal lives, John, where I'm playing with my hot toys. Which is why whenever there's like a picture we post of us, like, like whether it's the four of us out at dinner or at lunch or at a movie theater, it's like, it's so weird to see you guys out of the studio. It's like, yep, we just go and do this stuff. Yeah, too. we just, we just live here. All right. Next up. Uh, we've got Paul D. Rummer writes, uh, happy birthday for the weekend, John. Thank you so much. Uh, it's mine on the 28th of February. I watched Studio 666 on Friday. I had a lot of fun watching. That's today right now. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching the Foo Fighters deal with being in a horror situation. Just wondering if you had the chance to see it. Thanks for bringing on the filthy. I did not because this weekend was my birthday weekend. Right. Ann and I went out of town, so I have not seen Studio 666 yet. But I am very down to watch it. I, I'm going to see it in the next... Obvi well, not tonight. We're busy tonight. Not tomorrow because we're watching Batman. But maybe Wednesday or Thursday I'm going to around and see it. I know you've been excited for this movie I'm dying too. to see it. As a matter of fact, because, you know, Foo Fighters, of course, Nirvana, Dave Grohl and all that. I, I've received so many messages from people in Seattle like, Rob, you got to go see this. It's so much fun. <laughs> it looks fun to me. The trailer was great. Oh, the trailer was absolutely I just want to know. I want to know how this movie got made. Like, I love the idea behind it. Was it Dave Grohl's idea? Did somebody pitch him the idea? I want to read the making of story or see the buy the Blu-ray and see the uh, definitive behind the scenes because I can't wait to see this. It yeah, looks so I, much fun. I, I'm very excited to see it. All right, next up, we got Korea Got Soul who writes, Hey, John and the gang. I am buzzing. Wait a second. Oh, yeah. I am buzzing with excitement for Doctor Strange. I've heard you talk about Doctor Strange a lot and specific cameos. The one person who I haven't heard you talk about that much is America Chavez. I know who she is. Uh, and her backstory. 
But is she going to be a prominent figure in the MCU moving forward? Or is she going to be just a side character? I hope not. Personally, I would love uh, to her go after Kang, punching through multiverse, mm. and he is trying to get away. Yeah, look, obviously, the, the real answer to that question, we won't know until we see Doctor Strange 2. My guess is this is not a character they're setting up for her own franchise. That's just my guess. I agree. I, I have a feeling like she is a going to be a new mainstay in the MCU, but I don't foresee an America Chavez show on Disney+, Plus. although that would be more likely, and I, don't foresee, I certainly don't foresee an America Chavez solo film. So my guess is she's going to become a fixture in the, in the MCU, but a fixture like um, Wong. You know, like, they're not going to get Wong, the temporary. Uh, what, what's what's the role again? Um, the so Sorcerer Supreme. Supreme. The temporary Sorcerer Supreme. I, don't th I think he's a mainstay fixture in the MCU. Yeah. And I think maybe that's going to be the thing. For, I don't know. What do you think, Ron? I agree. I mean, I don't... I see America Chavez as being in the MCU. I don't know if they would make a show about her. Maybe a Disney Plus series or something. But I, again, I don't know. I don't know. Because maybe the door gets shut on the multiverse after this. We'll have different variant timelines, but not a bunch of different universes. That's okay. I like that. All right. What's next? We've got Mike Prez, who writes, one of two. I'll preface by saying I do have Scottish heritage, so maybe that's why I find it intriguing. James Bond in Skyfall visits his home of the same name in Scotland, the same mansion his father, Andrew Bond, lived. James's father is Scottish. So, with Andrew's generation, it makes sense the way James looks in the film. That doesn't mean it can't be changed for someone else to play Bond next time. Onwards and upwards, John and Rob, thanks for all you do. I'm not quite sure what it is, Mike. Is he saying that... That Bond should be Scottish. That I he think. looks Scottish and yeah. you can play well, you Scottish. Know, Sean Connery was Scottish. Well, yeah, you have the Connery Bond. What do you think about that? Look, I mean, I, I like the idea of a Scotsman being a Scots, a Scots blood, being part of the Bond franchise. I, I like that. But on the other hand, you know, Bond is a... I mean, Scotland was different than, say, Ireland, but Bond should just be from the UK. He, he should just be an Englishman because he was. He's British Navy. But you know what? It but really if you're Scottish, you are UK, right? You're UK. Yes. Yeah. You are UK. So I think why not? I, I like a Scotsman being Bond. I like it. Um, you know, I don't know who they're going to cast as the new Bond as long as they're from the UK, though. They can't make James. If James Bond isn't from the UK, that's where I draw the line. All right. Next up. We got Mumra, of course, of the ever-living family. Uh, La Bamba. Uh, Isai Morales was robbed of Best Supporting Actor in 1988, Golden Globes, and Oscars. Not saying he should have won, but at least nominated. I've seen other nominees, and I feel he was snubbed. Amazing as Valance's brother, Bob. Scary good character. Do you agree, Richie? Well, I have, I'll have. i be honest with Mumra. I have no idea who was nominated that year and who wasn't. I'm not about to get, take up the time to go I in and look, so I have no idea. But I will say this. I, I kind of have a rule for myself, and I apply it to people who write it in this show. Unless you are making a firm argument that somebody should have won the award, I don't think you can argue that they were robbed if they didn't get a nomination. Right. The only time I think you can say somebody was robbed or snubbed, I believe, is if you have a compelling argument that they could have and maybe should have won. Otherwise, it's a tight race. And if you're not going to make the argument that they would have won, then it's a coin toss sometimes about who does. Like, 
The last, the one robbed I can think of recently is, why am I forgetting the actress's name from Hereditary? Uh, uh, Tony Collette. Thank you, Tony Collette. I legitimately thought going into nomination week that Tony Collette may indeed be the front runner to win the Academy Award. Her, her performance was incredible. It was it was mind-bogglingly good. If anything, I think the movie itself, the fact that it was a horror movie, might have worked against her. You know, it's not a prestige film the way other things were, but her performance when you when it's revealed like the relationship she had with her son and how just she was a terrible mother. And when you find that out around that what dinner table scene, I mean, oh my god. But like that to me is the only true snub i feel uh, of the last number of years because that's one where i legitimately thought she could have won that and she didn't get nominated which i was shocked can you think of any off the top of your head that they've been totally robbed yeah like not get nominated when you thought maybe they had a legitimate chance of like winning i can't think of somebody that was totally i mean I, again like you i'd have to go back and look but not off the top of my head but isai morales he shouldn't have been nominated, but if you go back to Rick Rosenthal's movie Bad Boys with Sean Penn and Isai Morales oh, yeah. as teenagers, I think in 81, and Clancy Brown as the, the bad guy in the prison, and Ali Sheedy, that movie rocks, and Isai Morales was awesome in it. That was the first time I knew who he was. <laughs> and In my mind, he should have been nominated for Bad Boys, but of course, no one yeah. All right, Mr. Nobody writes. Hey, John, just wanted to send you a happy birthday message. Thank you so much. It was my birthday this past week. Uh, this is Saturday, February 26th at 940, so they obviously wrote it in over the weekend. Hope you had a great day. I did have a great day. Ann and I went to San Diego and hung out in San Diego for the weekend. It was great. Also, if you had a perfect day at the theater, uh, could have any movie marathon all to yourself, what movies are you marathoning? That's obvious. I'm watching the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> and then but Would you I want to do it by yourself? No, I wouldn't want to do any of them by myself. But he, the scenario he's painting here is you had a theater completed yourself. Which one do you do? Star Wars. And then after Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Those are the ones I'm watching. And some people might be saying, what, before MCU films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Star Wars, the original trilogy, nothing touches. Lord of the Rings trilogy, nothing touches. And then probably some MCU stuff, maybe the Captain America movies. But it, for me, it would absolutely be Star Wars and then Lord of the Rings. What about you? I've seen the Star Wars, the original trilogy, so many times in the theater. It wouldn't be Star Wars. Mm. Um, gosh, it's hard to say. You know what? I've, I, I would. I hate to say it, but, but, but I'd probably say Godfather only because I've never seen Godfather two in the theater. I've really? seen Godfather one and Godfather three, but right? I never saw Godfather two in the theater because whenever they'd bring it back, they'd bring Godfather back, but. They wouldn't always bring Godfather 2 back, and I saw Godfather 3 when it opened in 1990. So I've never seen, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time, never seen it in theater. Mm, that's a good one. But that's right. a long day. Next up, Black Frost writes, uh, I just wanted to point out that here in Ontario, Canada, the Batman is rated PG. I don't believe that. Uh, all ages as, a poor, as opposed to 14A where you need parental guidance. I'm not sure if this means more about the content of the movie or our relaxed rating system. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying Black Frost. I'm not saying you're lying at all. I just question wherever you got that information from. I have a hard time believing. I mean, very well may be true. I don't know anything to the contrary. I just, I have an impossible time believing that. I but isn't Ontario, that's Montreal, right? No, that's Quebec. Oh, that's right. Montreal's Quebec. Quebec. Okay. Uh, so, so I can't give the French their lackadaisical, morally casual attitude. 
No, and well, and you know, the, that would be more nudity than sex. You know, where you with breakfast baguette, you have sex as well. I mean, that's I'm, that's I'm, my kind of that's I'm my kind of province. Painting John. the good people of uh, the province Quebecois with a broad brush there. I, uh, but no, no, I I just I don't believe that. It okay, so true. Ontario's Toronto, Montreal's Quebec. What's Winnipeg? Manitoba. Manitoba, and what yeah. about Calgary? Calgary's Alberta. Wow. So like Calgary, Edmonton, uh, that's all the province. Of, then you get into Vancouver. So I've been in British Columbia. I've been in Alberta. I've been in Manitoba. Manitoba, and I've been in Quebec, but not Ontario. You've never been to Toronto, dude. Never. I mean, uh, I've been to Winnipeg, Montreal, Calgary, Edmonton, Victoria, and uh, British Columbia. Dude, t Toronto. A lot of people consider might be the greatest city in the world that's what I mean, people say and i've never been there oh absolutely visit it i mean uh, hamilton is the greatest city in the world like the city about about an hour outside of toronto which is where i'm from but yes toronto is a magnificent city all right uh next up scott lang fan club you and me both brother i love scott lang uh the poignant scene in endgame where scott sees his adult daughter brought me to tears because uh, of both actors <clears throat> emma Furman played his daughter so well i hate that marvel announced her recasting online without even telling her uh show business i guess oh yeah it, i mean look i i know this sounds heartless and all that stuff they didn't owe her anything don't get me wrong if i'm a marvel exec i'm re i'm bringing her back i'm i'm recasting and if they had asked me that's what i would have wanted but they were under no obligation for that they they owed her nothing, and it's not her role. It's it's different their director role. too. Yeah, you know you've got in Quantum Mania a different director. So if they wait a second, Quantum Payne, so, Payne Reed's directing Quantum Mania. Right, but he didn't direct Endgame. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> so perhaps Peyton Reed wanted a different actress. I don't know if that's true, but maybe. and I get it. It it seems a little cold. Yeah, but it's it's business. But also, she didn't have a big scene, and in Quantum Mania, maybe she's required to do the it character. It was a good scene though, when her and her dad. Dude, it's a great scene. Very great scene. scene. But there's got to be a reason why, because yeah. that scene is so great. But maybe she has a much bigger role, and the actress hadn't just they hadn't need a more had accomplished that. actress. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, or a million other reasons that we'll never know. Exactly. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Garden Variety Vagabond rights. On Shakespeare adaptations, oddly, I like the Ethan Hawke 2000 adaptation of Hamlet. I never watched this one. Of Hamlet, um, uh, I think Bill Murray's in this one, for just one scene. Uh, it is an odd adaptation, but the scene of Bill Murray uh, as Polonius uh, giving, the, ne giving the, the nether a borrower or a lender be speech yep. totally changed by my perception of the scene. I've never watched this one. I, Dude, I only saw it once in the theater. So I can't, you know, it, it's not burned into my brain, so I couldn't comment on it. But I liked the adaptation. It was interesting. More of a modern day kind of a feel. Yeah, I'm telling you, if you, know, if you like the Shakespeare adaptations, uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth is a more recent one out, and it's so good. It's, it's really good. But again, go back and watch Ian McKellen and Richard III. It's yeah. amazing. All right, next up. Garden Variety Vagabond also writes, On the Oscars change, Will the actual event itself change at all at the venue? It sounds like the only change is in the editing of the TV show. If the Oscars are for the industry is the issue, then the event hasn't changed as they weren't on TV originally. 
Well, I mean, yes, they true. Yes, it was not on TV originally. So originally, none of the things were broadcast right. live. Uh, touche, garden variety, point well made. However, what somebody may argue is that, okay, yes, but what is normal now is that it, it is televised. Um, but I, again, I think garden variety is going right to the heart of, of what my point here is, which is I don't think watching at home, we're going to notice too much of a difference. And... If it plays out that way, then I just simply don't think there's going to be anything to complain about. The question is, will it play out that way? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming it will, but I've assumed things before and it not turned out the way I wanted yeah. them to. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But yes, it is true. None of the Oscars used to be televised before. Uh, a valid point, uh, but one that I don't think is really applicable here. All right. Next up, what do we got? Uh, we've got uh, Tom G who writes... Hey, John and Rob, uh, I've been thinking about people who come in late during a movie. Should theaters deny entry to a movie once it has started or after a certain amount of time once it started? Where's the line? Should a line even be drawn? It's really interesting he brings this up because you and I used to frequent a movie theater that had that very rule. Yep. The arc light here that's now been closed down, they had that rule where if the movie has already started, you can't go in, which I loved. Because you, you have to understand, the arc light was like an airport. When you go into the Arclight, they had the big arrival destination yeah, it board. It was awesome. With all the things. The giant clock. And the then giant the- clock showing it and all that kind of stuff. And the basic analogy was, if you ain't on the plane by the time it takes off, the plane's gone. And they had a rule there, because I remember my friend Gray Drake. Who was um, great. Former senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes. She's in my documentary. Absolutely love Gray. She's a delight. But she used to be a manager at the Arclight. And she once very famously got into a fight with Quentin Tarantino. Because Tarantino showed up late for a movie and she would not let him in. <laughs> and he raised his thing. Now, apparently later on, they move past their issues and they get along now. Yeah. But I mean, I love it. Now, look, you could make the argument and I understand. Well, look, if the problem is you're watching a movie and you're afraid of people walking in as you're trying to watch a movie, well, then... Are you going to ban people from getting up to go to the bathroom during the movie? Look, I get it. You're not able to eliminate all potential distractions from a movie, but you can eliminate the unnecessary ones. And you not being there on time for the start of a movie is an unnecessary distraction for some of the, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to go to the bathroom. You show up late. That's just because you were late and that's nobody to blame, but you. And I got to tell you what I liked it, but also the other thing I liked about arc like was actually having a staff person come into the theater before the beginning of every show to ask people personally, please turn off your phones, put it away. A little bit about this movie. It was directed by so-and-so. The runtime is this. And if you have any issue, I'm going to stay in this theater for a few minutes to make sure that the image and sound quality are up to our standards and blah, blah, blah. It was a wonderful experience going to the movies there. And also they charged a bit of a premium. Yes, no doubt. You know, like five bucks more sometimes or whatever. Because it was an excellent theater. It was an excellent theater, but also they made sure that the people that paid the premium also were not the kind of people that would show up late. Right. So everyone knew what they were getting into. You know, that you bought your tickets. You knew what you were getting into. So it was a great, I love the venue and I miss it terribly because they only showed three trailers, no commercials. Yep, three trailers, boom, movie starts. I loved it. All right, next up. Tom G. also writes, uh, John and Rob, 
I pick one of my favorite actors slash actresses each month, and I watch all their movies. That's a cool thing That's to do. That's a cool idea. I love that. Uh, that I haven't seen. That's an even better idea. I'm currently working through ScarJo's non-MCU projects. Watch The Nanny Diaries and We Bought a Zoo so far. I liked her in We Bought a Zoo. Uh, fun way to discover new films. You know what I love her in, and it's a small role? Ghost World. Well, no, no, I wasn't thinking about that, but that's a good oh, one, too. I love Ghost World. Chef. Yeah. Chef's delightful. It is delightful. And I, I love her character in that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of the other... The sci-fi movie Under the Skin. If you have not seen Under the Skin, yep. I mean, it's... I, I shouldn't say what she actually plays, but let's just say if you're a, a fan of science fiction, yes, you should watch Under Who the Skin. Who she is and where she's from could be a little bit of a, oh, yeah, of a spoiler. A mystery. <laughs> but she's a fantastic... I love Ghost World... Uh, it's which is a comic book adaptation, not an MCU obviously film, but still very good. She's an amazing actress. By the way, I there's a movie she did that not a lot of people liked, but I really did, and it's kind of like Limitless, where she, her she starts to access more and more of her brain powers. Lucy, Lucy, thank directed you. by uh, Luc Besson. I I like Lucy. Dude, that movie kicks ass. I mean, the ending gets a little freaky. Like I like yeah. it's hard to wrap your head around. It what's did going pretty on well end. though. Yes. Yeah, like an obscure little movie. That's the one that really told the world, uh, ScarJo's a box office draw. Yeah. Because that movie made way more money than it had any business making. Yes, it did. I agree with you. That movie kicks ass. But that is a great, great... action, a pre-John Wick yes. great action scene. And by the way, Tom G, movie. that is a great habit. Picking an actor every month and then well, going back I and watching movies you've never seen. I want to do that. I like that a lot. That's a great idea. All right, next up, we have Roxo who writes, Hey, y'all. Uh, I'm just revisiting my Batman uh, being named Vengeance at first theory uh, before we see the movie. It came to me once Batman, Catwoman, and Penguin said it. But imagine his parents are killed after V for Vendetta in the alley. V is also for? That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, no, but I, I do think from some of the reviews, that's correct. He's he's called, the, the citizens of Gotham know him as Vengeance. I think that. But I see. I, I still don't know. But I mean, again, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. I don't know either. But again, that doesn't add up for me because when an envelope is left for him by Riddler, it so, says to the Batman. So it doesn't say to the one who goes by the name of Vengeance. Right. I don't know. I just in the reviews, somebody said that they were. Well, we'll find out because that very well may be the case, Roxanne. We're going to find out. Or tomorrow. maybe Vengeance is the Batman's nickname. Maybe we'll find out tomorrow. All right. Next up, uh, Josh Craig writes. Hey, all longtime viewers since the Collider days. Thank you, Josh. Uh, everyone talks about the collaborations of different celebrities. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here's one that absolutely needs to happen. The Foo Fighters featuring Mr. T. They'll call it I Pity the Foo. 
Okay, you know what? Come on now. Oh, that's not bad though. That's not bad. It's kind of bad. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's kind of it's, bad. We've heard worse. We have heard worse. I like it. It was, too much, it was too much of a stretch. If you'd gotten into it a little easier, I would have been like, oh, I pity the foo. I like that. All right. Let's move on. Nice nice swing, Josh. I pity the foo. Right. Rogue three right. It wasn't a miss. Uh, unpopular opinion. Emily Blunt shouldn't play Sue Storm. Sue is fun, energetic, and quippy. Emily Blunt radiates coldness. Oh, I disagree with that. I think she is she has got she's so talented she can. But don't be fooled just by her. Uh, what's the one she was in with Meryl Streep uh, about the boss? Uh, uh, Devil Wears Prada. No, Devil Wears no. Prada. Thank you. Don't be fooled by her role in Devil Wears Prada. Anyway, she radiates coldness. She's always looks like she's in a trance. That's not true. Uh, her range fits the pensive mother and hard soldier roles. She's done, but she's not Sue. I completely disagree. First, of all, just go to a movie that I don't like very much, which is her Mary Poppins. Uh, you know what? She's I wanted to love it. She that. is. She's the best thing about that movie. The she story is. was kind of, but she was great. I was very disappointed by the movie. Dude, crushed. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it sucked, but no. it was way below expectations. Yeah, and Mary, even Lin Manuel Miranda, who I love, I, I didn't think he was so hot. Anymore. Mary Poppins, the first Mary Poppins, is one of the great fantasy films of all time. It's yeah. such a wonderful movie. But I disagree with you, Rook. I think you're just thinking about a couple of roles she's played where the character was called upon to be a certain way to say that, well, that means she can't do this. I believe there are several movies that show that she can. Yeah. So let's see. All right. Uh, next up, Michael Jones writes, uh, I know everybody is hyped for Batman, but just wanted to say I saw Cyrano. I, I really like Cyrano a lot uh, at the theater this weekend, and it jumped into my 2021 year-end top 10. It's great, and Peter Dinklage was fantastic. Been watching almost five years now. Love your show. Thank you so much, Michael Jones. And yeah, listen, man, I really like Cyrano. Peter Dinklage rocks in it. That said, Cyrano was my number three most anticipated movie of the year. Only behind the Batman and the Northman. Then it was Cyr Cyrano. And I really do enjoy Cyrano. It's not worthy of being a top three most anticipated of the year. It has several weaknesses to it. Again, still overall, a very good movie watching experience. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But Peter Dinklage is phenomenal in it. And I would highly recommend checking it. You haven't seen Cyrano yet. Though, I haven't, you? but I really want to see it. As a matter of fact, I, I was listening to... On the way driving in here on NPR, uh, they were talking. I don't know if it was a review, but I was listening to Dinklage sing a sing a song from the film. And he's not a bad singer. I didn't realize that it wasn't originally supposed to be a musical. It didn't start out as a musical. It started out as a straight adaptation. And um, <laughs> they should have kept it that way. <laughs> the songs were not great. The songs were not great. And the best song in the movie was one in a scene that shouldn't have even been in the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to go too into But again, I still like it. I mean, I think it's still a very solid movie. Peter Dinklage is fantastic in it. But, you know, not going to be in my top five of the year at the end of the year. All right. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Michael. Next up, we've got uh, Sarcastic Satire who writes, As uh, great as Keaton was in Batman 89 and Returns, my main takeaway in role has always been his height. Seeing Batman standing shoulder to shoulder with Vicky Vale or Catwoman standing over him looks awkward. Put some RDJ lifts in those shoes and boots. Listen, that is one of the reasons that when Michael Keaton, like a lot of people weren't, you know, don't remember or weren't old enough to remember, but I was just a young teenager 
when they announced that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman, there was a lot of like, what? Like today it's Twilight Boy. At the time it was Mr. Mom Guy. Yeah. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom is going to be Batman. I mean, and, and yeah, the height is a thing. You certainly can see that. But at the end of the day, the height issue was not a key DNA essential part of who and what the Batman is. And therefore, audiences quickly just looked over it. I know. And I have to tell you, we both have seen the protege. You could kind of tell a little bit about his stature and the protege and his age. But again, he's a badass in that movie. Yes, he is. And and there's the scene in the alley in the outdoors when he's walking and they try and assassinate him. And you would never know. That guy, I mean, he moves. He's a 70-year-old dude being directed by Martin Campbell, the guy who directed Casino Royale. And the way he fights, you would never know he's small of stature. Because he <laughs> and he's fighting bigger dudes and he just takes those, he wrecks those dudes. Yeah, and listen, and Michael. He got himself in as when he got Batman, he got himself into the best shape he's ever been in his life. He worked hard, still not up to the comic book stand, but that was fine. This is the, and, and Rob, I'll tell you what, this is why the reason to me, when issues come up about, oh, one character was, was traditionally been seen as white, but now this time it's going to be played by black and stuff like it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it doesn't. Because unless, you know, if you're, well, I'm trying to think of a character who's really known for their height. Let's say you're going to be in a biopic about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Known for his height. Known for his height. You can't hire a guy who's five foot eleven. You just can't. No. That's a key essential part and of. By the way, aren't we going to see somebody playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in this great oh, yeah. series? In winning time. What's it called? Was it Winning Time? Yeah. That the name? Not, yeah. I cannot wait to watch that. That looks so good. So good. But yeah, you can't have a, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a tip, tall dude. Yeah. So unless. The, as the, the aspect in question is a core, absolutely essential part of who and what that character is. The height of Batman, yeah, we think of Batman as bigger. But is it a core thing about the identity of Batman? No. No. So Michael Keaton steps in, probably six inches shorter than we think of our Batman normally. And it was fine. It worked perfectly fine. Everybody, that's why, and I think 99% of the time, when a black actor or an Asian actor or a white actor is replaced, it, like whenever that happens... As long as the character in question, that the skin color, the skin pigmentation of that character in, in question is not a key, absolute, essential part of the DNA of who that character is, then I don't care. No, and Go ahead and change it. I mean, think about like even the Batman coming out. Does uh, Jeffrey Wright is a great actor. I love Jeffrey Wright. He's Commissioner Gordon. Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman. Eartha Kitt in the 60s was black and played Catwoman. Right. Halle Berry has played well. Maybe she'd prefer to say that that movie doesn't exist, but she played <laughs> Catwoman. And Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman, so there's a long, who cares what color somebody is? All I care about, are they well-written, great, or are they well-performed, and is it a great story? And, you know, Keaton did not fit the height of what we think of Batman. And, and yet, here we are, how many years later? 32. And there's still a ton of people 33, today. 33, 33 this there year. There are still a ton of people today that when you say, who's your Batman, they'll say, Michael Keaton. And you know what else? Tim Burton, when he made Batman, cast Keaton because he wasn't typical. Mm. You know, he wasn't like, he wanted to do something different. Like, Keaton was kind of a, what does is, what is, what is Joker say? Winged freak. <laughs> Wait till they get a load of me. I mean, Keaton was kind of supposed to be weird. He wasn't your typical 6'4", 240 pounds of solid muscle dude. That's the obvious choice. 
the fact that the Michael Keaton Batman was a little different was kind of Tim Burton's point when he did the movie. And going in the opposite direction, a guy who was maybe a little too short, Hugh Jackman cast as Wolverine. Exactly. And you could even make an argument, Wolverine's height is kind of a complete identifying factor of who Wolverine is. Yep. Hence the title, Wolverine. Yep. <laughs> and they totally went away from that guy, this big dude, to play the role. And now we can't even imagine it differently. So, yeah, yeah, anyway. All right, let's keep going. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, Just Your Average Jose writes, In the last mailbag, you mentioned you're always looking for new games to play. The Horizon game series, Zero Dawn, and its sequel, Forbidden West, which everybody is talking Dude, about. Dude, everyone's talking about Everybody's it. talking about Forbidden West right now are really good. I put the experience uh, story-wise up there with The Last of Us and God of War. Listen, I, I need to get through Spider-Man and Miles Morales. I want to try <clears throat> Elden Ring, but I saw Zero Dawn. I've got PlayStation Now, and I saw Zero Dawn is listed on PlayStation Now. I might have to give it a shot at that point. Thanks for throwing in your opinion there, Jose. All right, Alex writes, Hey, John, here in Canada on Disney+, Plus, you can turn on parental controls that block all the content of a certain rating that is most likely going to be the case with the marvel netflix shows coming over to disney plus mm. love the show and the crew and we were talking about that the other day that other countries canada as well countries that don't have hulu that's what disney seems to do right in the u.s they do have hulu so they like to kind of separate it out rob i think we brought this up the other day but let me ask you again if we did do you see disney because i personally love hulu but do you see D Disney leaning into, in the States, their separation? They got Disney Plus and they got Hulu. Or could you see Disney taking Hulu and absorbing it into Disney Plus, kind of like the way it is internationally? How do you th see them doing it? John, I, honestly, I think that Disney Plus will absorb Hulu. Only because Disney Plus is the brand name. I mean, Hulu's fine, and I like Hulu. But I do think that they will eventually come to absorb Disney Plus. Right. I, mean, I mean, Disney Plus will absorb Hulu, in and, and it'll be Disney Star, whatever the pay wall is going to be called, whatever that is, I don't know, but I, I absolutely think that Disney Plus will absorb Hulu. All right, next up, uh, Paranormal Zactivity. <laughs> Paranormal Zactivity, I like that. Writes, greetings from Ireland. Good to hear you. Uh, thoughts on Paul Verhoeven. What's your favorite film of his? Thanks. Okay, so Paul Verhoeven is... A director to me that fits in an era. And I've had a hard time picturing him out of that era. Now, granted, he recently did, uh, was it Bernadetta? Benedetta, yeah. Benedetta, thank his, you. His Nuns in Trouble movie. Yes, uh, which was actually not as good as I was hoping it would be, but it was, it was pretty solid. Yeah. But obviously, when you think of him, you're thinking of, I like Hollow Man more than most people, so I think of that. But you also think of other things of the era, like Total Recall, right? Robocop. Robocop. Starship Basic Troopers. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. Starship Troopers. Um, so I always think of him in that era, and I don't know if his style fits as well in the new era. And I don't know that he's been able to adapt to this era as well. That doesn't mean he can't come out with something new and surprise. Again, Benedetta was, was actually pretty good. Um... Listen, I shouldn't, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. I get a whole hell of a lot of a kick out of Starship Troopers, man. Dude, it's awesome. I love Starship Troopers. I think I know which one you're going to say. Is well, I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven fan. Yes. And growing up in Seattle at the Seattle Film Festival, they brought, 
it was kind of the launching point for Dutch cinema in America. Verhoeven, he made his first film, I think, Business is Business in 1969. So he goes way back. And his Dutch films, he won the, I think, Best Foreign Film for Soldier of Orange in the mid-70s. Uh, his movies, uh, Spetters, and I love The Fourth Man, which is the last Dutch film he made before he made Flesh and Blood in 85. But I think you're right, John. I think that Paul Verhoeven is kind of an agent provocateur, but my favorite Paul Verhoeven movie, I have to say, is probably RoboCop. Oh, that's not what I thought you'd say. But I love Basic Instinct. I thought you'd go Basic Instinct. I mean, I, you know, I love Basic Instinct, but again, you talk about Basic Instinct is so 90s. It's so Joe Esterhouse, erotic thriller. But RoboCop is, is uh, John, when that movie came out, we all made fun of it. RoboCop, we'd make fun of it. Like, <laughs> RoboCop, that was like the dumbest title ever. And we all, it was one of those movies, walked in, and I love Paul Verhoeven, my friends and I were shocked. The violence, the story, I mean, the idea of the crucifixion, uh, it's almost like a, a, a Jesus story. Right. RoboCop uh, is, Peter Weller is literally crucified on the ground and then is resurrected by the divine science. And because Paul Verhoeven is obsessed with Catholicism, you know, he almost became a priest. And it's in all of his movies. Benedetta, there's a reason why he made that, and he's in his mid-80s. But I think Robocop and, of course, my beloved Basic Instinct, I, I do love those movies, John. And by the way, he always brings the filthy. He does. And that, you got to give him. He always does. All right, thanks a lot for that, par Paranormal. All right, uh, Arush writes, one of four. Hey, John and crew. First time sending in a tip, but I've been enjoying your show thoroughly for a few years now. Well, it's good to have you here, man. Thanks for writing that in. Thanks for the support, too. Uh, my nighttime routine these days actually includes listening to the show while I beat the crap out of teenagers in FIFA. Good to hear. <laughs> uh, anyways, I was wondering if you had read the Forbes article on Tom Holland recently. They attributed mm. Tom's success with Spider-Man and Uncharted to audiences loving the characters in the IP, Spider-Man and Nathan Drake, more so than Tom himself. I tend to agree with them since all of Tom's other movies have been critical and or box office duds. Tom is a terrific performer, so this is not a comment on his acting abilities, but more of a comment on the industry as it stands right now. Actors like Chris Hemsworth, Robert Downey Jr., and now Tom Holland are unable to draw big audiences in box office unless the movie is backed by a well-known IP, with only a couple of exceptions to this scenario. Free Guy, A Quiet Place, etc. Thoughts? Well, I mean, let, let me touch on the Chris Hemsworth, Robert... Chris Hemsworth, uh, Rush. Um, so, like, like Hemsworth has shown, yeah, he can do that outside of that. Robert Downey Jr. had an Academy Award long before he was ever in the MCU. Uh, nomination. Nomination, sorry. Academy Award nomination for Chaplin that he that had long before that. Um, and, and other characters like that. So, Tom Holland... You know, Rob, you and I have talked a lot about Tom Holland recently. You and I are both big Tom Holland fans. Uh, I think he's great. I think he's great, too. Because when you put him in a bad movie and he still comes like, man, that dude almost salvaged that movie, that says a lot about the actor. And and Tom Holland's been in some bad movies. But it is also true that people haven't rushed out to go watch him. Yeah, again, let's go with an extreme example just for, just for scenario setting, okay? Dwayne The Rock Johnson can be in a movie like Rampage. A movie that has no business making any money at, at the box office at all. But Dwayne The Rock Johnson pops up in it, and it actually does some, some decent business at the box office. You put it in a movie, what was the Skyscraper one he was in? It was called Skyscraper. Skyscraper. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that reminds me when Anne once said to me, hey, John, what's that movie with um, 
Uh, Julia Roberts, she plays, and what's the name of the character she Aaron plays? Brockovich. Yeah. Aaron Brockovich. Aaron says to me, what was that, that movie about Aaron Brockovich? And I'm like, Aaron Brockovich? <laughs> so what's that movie, Rob? The dream one, the skyscraper? Sky. Skyscraper. Yeah. So like that it's movie. It's Die Hard in a Building. Yes, it is. Not that great. Had no business making any money. Like any money. But you put him in, it makes money. Tom Holland does not have that ism to him. You know, whether it's a, a magnetism or a whatever, he doesn't have that yet. And but, I, I, to a degree, would agree with him. Look, if you put in, damn, what's the name of the kid again who played uh, Percy Jackson? And then he was in oh, uh, yeah. that war movie with uh, Brad Pitt with the tank drivers where he played War Daddy. Uh, Fury. Uh, Fury. He was in where, uh, something, I'm, I'm freezing on his name, but you put that guy in a Spider-Man, that <clears> movie <throat> still makes a billion dollars. So I think the story on Tom Holland is not yet written. I'll say that. Right also, now. look, I do think like I saw Cherry. I thought he was good in Cherry, but the movie was way over-directed. And I didn't think the movie served Tom Holland well. I think if you gave Tom Holland a romantic movie, like something like The Notebook, but not The Notebook because Ryan Gosling has that smoldering quality to him. But if you gave, if you put like, if you made a a, a, a college romance film, I don't know what that would be. And you put Tom Tom Holland in that movie, I think it could work. If you made a remake or something, not that anybody should, of a college comedy like I talked about, Back to the Future and Animal House, I think Tom Holland would work. I think Tom Holland has to be like any good actor. You need to find the right movie to put them in, and they will break through. I don't because because no one no one saw Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in uh, in uh, in uh, Uncharted. They weren't. They, he wasn't the first choice. Yet people still went. And you know what? Even I, you and I were like, nah, I don't know. I, the, one of the things I liked about Uncharted the most was Tom Holland. And I thought I wouldn't. And that proves that he is a performer. He didn't need the Uncharted IP behind him because if it wasn't, if he wasn't good. And he, for me, he was one of the things that made the movie the best. So if you found the right vehicle for him, he could have a huge breakthrough outside of the MCU. If you can. Right. Because if he you had, can. prior to No Way Home, he did a couple of films that were pretty anticipated. Uh, Devil All the Time. Which, which is an ensemble. People, which is an ensemble, but it was his vehicle. And the movie wasn't, in my opinion, was not very good. Uh, but nobody went to, nobody watched it. But that was not his fault. No, he was good in it. But, but again, like, was Skyscraper not very good because of The Rock? No, but him just being there could still draw in an audience. Right, but also... He also fit with what that movie was supposed right. to be. So he had like CIA with with Kevin Hart, Devil All the Time, Central Intelligence, Chaos Walking, that again nobody went to go watch, Cherry, which again nobody watched. I mean, so I think it's fair to say that hey, if Spider Man had some success, that's probably more due to the Spider Man IP. If Uncharted had success, it probably more has to do with the Uncharted IP. Sure. But again, I don't think the book is is written on Tom Hart. Uh, Hall I yet. don't. I either. think we need a few more movies to start to see if he can become that. You know what? That Fred Astaire movie is going to become a big. I think a big testing point of that. I completely agree. I mean, you got Billy Elliot playing Fred Astaire. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. And I think it. Look, to me, it's always about finding the right vehicle to put the right performer in. 
And I think Tom Holland, you know, they, they're trying to he's in these huge tent poles, but he hasn't yet had his breakthrough. Call it a normal movie where he plays like a normal dude. I think if you put him in a a romantic comedy, he could crush it. You know what? I can tell you right now, you do a romantic comedy with him and Zadea. Like all the all the kiddies are flocking to that movie. Dude, they, are they you all kidding me? That relationship, they all uh, want to go see. My uh, wife would go see that ten times on Saturday. That's the thing, and I think that. <laughs> and if somebody doesn't make that movie, they're crazy. I agree. All right, next up, we go to Spock, who writes, "Hey Rob, I like that. What's your opinion on removing Moon Knight's Jewish background for the show? Do you agree with the creator that as long as it's for story reasons, it's okay? I love Oscar Isaac's casting, and the show looks incredible, but I do wish they had kept him Jewish. What do you think about that? Well, here's the thing. That was something that more of his Jewish heritage was, was dealt with later on in the series. I mean, I always think that it comes down to the character and the story. And if they're not using his Jewish heritage, which I think they should, but again, that was not originally in the original conception of the character, that uh, I don't think it necessarily really matters. Obviously, I don't want to see, you know, Judaism erased from the world, but I don't I don't think it's a big part of his character from its inception that became important later. Again, the Moon Knight I fell in love with was not mentally ill either. Mm. Or pardon me, had disassociative identity disorder. That was also something that came later where they took his multiple um identities and actually turned it into a multiple personality disorder, which I thought was very cool. And they did some really interesting things with it, but it doesn't, you know, it's funny. I, I haven't thought about that. After I see the show, maybe it'll bother me. Well, we'll find out. All right, next up, we've got, okay, see you, who writes, <laughs> hey, John and crew, I started watching Kim's Convenience this weekend because of all your praise about it. And after watching the first five episodes, I am loving this show. Dude, it's so good. So funny and sweet. Love all the characters and story. Just wanted to thank you. Uh, for the recommendation, bring on the filthy guys. I cannot, I cannot begin to recommend Kim's Convenience more wholeheartedly. Uh, if you like Shang Chi, Simu Lu, that's where he got to start. He got to start in Kim's Convenience, and of course, uh, Paul Lee is is in there as well. Who is, of course, the X wing fighter pilot that we see, and he's going to be. I think they said he's Uncle Iro or Uncle Iro in the upcoming uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's going to be Paul singing. Yeah. Anyway, this is a show that is smart funny, charming, and completely endearing. Um, it loves its characters too. Oh my god, it loves its characters. And it doesn't it doesn't do anything at their expense. No. Although one of Anne's favorite I I haven't seen Anne laugh this hard in a while. Like she like every once in a while like Anne will literally laugh to tears. <laughs> and so they have tears streaming down her face she's laughing. I only so do hard. that when Ray does the Trade Federation. <laughs> Um, but there is a scene. It's one of one of the latter seasons. I won't tell you why he's in the bathroom, but uh, Mr. Kim, Appa, he's locked himself in the bathroom and he's hurt himself, but won't admit that he's hurt himself and needs help. So outside the door is Uma, his wife, and his daughter. And Uma's like, you need to come out of this. No, I'm fine. And she goes, you cry? And just the way Paul Sonini, all he hears is this voice says, no, you cry. And it's just, I don't know why, but the timing of it and the way Paul says the line, like literally Anne was in tears. She almost couldn't breathe laughing so hard. This is a show that is filled with all of these moments. 
And you'll know if you're going to like the show by watching the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. First five minutes of episode one, uh, gay discount. You'll get, you'll understand the DNA of the show if Dude, you just you, watch that. Dude, you, that was one of those things you, I heard about Kill Kenny for the first time because of you. Letter Kenny. Uh, pardon me. Did I say Kill Kenny? That's a beer I like from Ireland. Mm -hmm. It's the cream of Ireland. Yes, Letter Kenny. I heard for the first time, and Kim's Convenience. I watched because of you. Both of those shows, Canadian shows, love their characters, and Kim Kim's Convenience was just it was delightful. You know, that's I, the only word I have for it. Delightful. Now, you and I are embarking. We've already recorded the first episode. Yeah. We just we're we're gonna put it out probably next month, just so you guys know. But Rob and I have started a new podcast that we will start publishing next month called The Office Virgin because, Robbie, you've never watched The, the, the Office. It's been so long but since I, I've been called The Virgin, John. But if it works, if we do, if we can, if the show works and we end up going through all of The Office, have you ever watched Schitt's Creek? Oh, yeah. <gasps> okay, you have. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, because that's got to be the next one we do. No, Elizabeth got me hooked on that. That and honestly, that might be the greatest half-hour television show ever, and I don't dude, say that likely. Like, and Eugene Levy and his son are Dan, his son Dan. They are so good in that show. And did you know that Twyla, the girl who works in the restaurant, that's Dan's sister. Right. That's Eugene's yeah, yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's family affair, and and it was it, it. I that show is so good. Those performers, everybody in that show. What, so good! What a cast, and all the, all the the guest stars that come on, and the I loved it. And the only show in Emmy history that in one year swept everything. It won Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Show, Best Writing, Best Directing. It swept, completely swept. Deservedly it's never so. happened before. You know, and that show, John, I got to tell you, that snuck up on me. Because I didn't, when I first sat down to watch, I'm like, what is this? You know, and it was kind of a slow burn for me. But once it Did grabbed you go through the whole, whole series? Yeah. Dude, can I, can I just, I've never asked, but in, I think it's the final episode or the second to last episode, one of the two. It's in, it's in the final season. When, when Dan's character, it's his wedding day. Right. And his fiance got him a masseuse and the masseuse, but unbeknownst to the fiance, he got Daniel, a, a, a masseuse. He got him one of those masseuses who will give you a happy ending. Yes. And he's like, Oh my gosh, my, my husband is going to be so great. He got me a masseuse with a happy ending. And the husband's like, come, he's like completely besides like, what? I didn't do that. He goes like, you, did you really enjoy it? He's like, Oh no. But then he looks at his best friend. Like, I, I, I just remember that was a show that you know what here's the thing i loved about Shit's creek too whenever you get a show these days where you have central like gay characters or whatever at some point the show becomes a, about and i and there's nothing wrong with this i'm just saying i'm just so used to it and it happens all the time whenever you have a show with a gay character at some point it becomes about how society like it, it's tough for them to be yes. part of society right and i get that so i was expecting that Shit's Creek just never goes there. No, it doesn't have to. It doesn't. It's just a good Canadian town where everybody just loves everybody and accepts everybody. It's not even an issue that the characters never becomes an issue at all. And the one episode where Daniel's fiance has to come out to his parents because he never came out to his parents before. 
And we, I'm sitting there as a viewer expecting the stereotypical, you're no son of mine, or the parents got to deal with it. But instead, no, the, the parents, even in the show, the parents are like, oh, okay, no, no, we weren't upset that that's the case. We were just upset that you felt like you couldn't tell us. Right. right. We feel so bad that you felt, it's like, and that's as hard as they go. Everything's just about, the whole show is just about good people, good flawed people yes being good yet flawed to each other right but what <laughs> I, I love and, it and and the thing is it's not like i mean they go hard at each other all the time you know people they yell and scream and oh my god and, and it was but it was you know to me the ultimate example of gr of good progression in terms of the evolution of what we can the stories we can tell is in Shit's creek because ultimately it dealt with all these different issues it showed us all these different things but it wasn't a show about judgment you know it yeah. wasn't like well, see what you need. Here's what you need to learn from this episode. And that's one of the things I love because my experience of the world has been sort of like Shit's Creek. You know, people are people. You're friends with you're you're aware of your friends' foibles and family's foibles, but you love them anyway. You know, but but still if they do something that you don't like, you're like, what the F man. Yeah. You know, and that's what that show was. And it was it was yeah, Eugene Levy too set that tone. Oh. He set the tone. So and Dan was the primary writer of the show. Yeah. Um, and he's an incredibly talented guy. Oh, dude, he's got a new like credit card commercial on that I just laugh my ass off every time it's on. I mean, and guys, seriously, Canadian television, as proudly Canadian as I am, before moving to L.A., I wouldn't have told you about the glories, undiscovered glories of Canadian television, like the beachcombers. Like, if you're Canadian, you'll know what I'm talking about. Or or Degrassi. I mean, I, I, a lot of people like Degrassi. But seriously, they have made the best television. Like, between Kim's Convenience, Schitt's Creek, Letterkenny. I mean, they've just been crushing it. Well, the it. comedy, doesn't Eugene Levy come from, like, SCTV? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's Rick where he Moranis got Rick Moranis yep. and, and John Candy. and Yep. And uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Bob, yeah, and, the whole thing. I mean, what is it? What's up with you in the water in Canada? It just it's makes just, people funnier. And 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 beer. Apparently Dead a lot of beer. funny, though. A funny that we don't have in the United States. All right. We got, sorry, I went off on this total Shit's Creek tangent. That's but right. yes, watch Kim's Convenience. All right, <laughs> next up. Uh, what do we got here? We got Taylor Olsoy, who writes, Have you guys watched Attack on Titan? And if so, will you be doing a review of the show after the season? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, uh, after this last season... New to the channel and love the content. I'm not actually a big fan of Attack on Titan. My, my, I, got, I first got exposed to Attack on Titan because my wife picked up the graphics, the, the novels, and I really liked it. And so I tried watching the anime, and the animated stuff just didn't work for me nearly There's as well. A, I, I mean, I, I love the premise. Oh, yeah, the premise is it's incredible. Got a, I, I have read some of the manga, and I've seen, I've seen... I want to say movies. Are they compilation movies where they cut together? But I haven't... And I, there's a live-action version... Yeah, but I I don't I'm not I don't know much about it, but it's it's wacky. It's weird. I I gotta admit too. I the story lost me a little bit. Like I love the idea of the Titans and the, and the Mega Titan and all that kind of stuff. But once you find out they're just people who got changed, it lost me a little yeah. bit at that. But uh, anyway, that's just me. But you know what? A lot of people love it, and love, that's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. All right. Next up, uh, Nick Soto writes. Hey guys, fun fact. Since 1981, only Birdman has won Best Picture without having received a Best Film Editing nomination. If history repeats this year, only four out of the ten Best Picture noms meet the same criteria. Don't Look Up, King Richard, Dune, and The Power of the Dog. That's an interesting... I remember we did some statistics when Black Panther got nominated. 
I didn't even think Black Panther was... The, I mean, I love Black Panther, but I didn't think it was even the best comic book movie of the year. But I remember going to things like, this movie was like the first movie, and I can't remember how many years, that got nominated for Best Picture without a nomination for Best Director, Best Actor or Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor or Best Supporting Actress, Cinematography or Screenplay. Or Editing. I don't think it was, I don't think it was nominated for Editing either. It was the first movie in forever that got a Best Picture nomination without having any of those. Yeah. But the pointing that out that come on man, only Birdman one movie was one shot one? though, right, John? There was no editing in Birdman. Oh, that, that, mm. That's such a good movie. <laughs> such a good movie. They I got to go back and watch Birdman again. Look like there was no editing. All right, next up, uh, Kiri twenty five writes. Hey, just wanted to say Rob is right. DC is in the MCU. It is absolutely not, and Rob didn't say it was. Um, both Superman and Batman are mentioned in the Eternals. Oh, this again. Uh, now, as to what uh, form they take in the MCU is unclear. Maybe they are movies or maybe they are real, but they are in the MCU. No, let's the be clear. The comic books are. The, the comic stories, books. The, the stories are. They're fictional characters within the MCU. Yeah. They, the, in as much as, look, there was an episode of Friends where the, an episode ended where Ross is in bed and he starts humming the theme to Star Wars. Da, 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 da. And then Jennifer Aniston comes to the door in like negligee in Princess Leia buns. And they start da, da, da. That means Star Wars was in Friends. No, just Star Wars was a part of the culture that Friends takes place in. Sure. People in the world that the MCU takes in takes place in. Yes, there are Superman comic books and Batman comic books. Batman and Superman are not in the MCU. So, and that's not John, what we were saying before. Yet. And never yet. will be. Yet. You just wait. Someday, if Kevin Feige and Bob Chapek buy Warner Brothers from Discovery, maybe. But they, uh, no, they are not in the MCU. Just being very clear about that. Yet. All right. Armando writes, uh, better performance. Chris Hemsworth in Rush. Chris Evans in Knives Out. Chris Hemsworth in Rush. Evans is great in Knives Out. I love him in Knives Out. That whole last scene when he's outed. And he's oh, it's great. He is so good in that. Chris, Daniel Bruhl, first of all, absolutely amazing in Rush. But Daniel Bruhl and Chris Hemsworth in that movie were phenomenal. I'm not saying it was Oscar worthy, but I, I would say out of these loved two. Loved him. And I loved them both. But I thought Chris Hemsworth loved in Rush. Him. Which one? You know, I would say Chris Hemsworth because he's playing a real person, whereas right. Chris Evans has more room to play as an actor. Right. But Chris Hem Chris Hemsworth has to be more. He has to exist in the real world, and he's 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 trying to emulate somebody who really existed. So I would say that was a harder thing to do. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Revenue Revolver writes. Hey, John and gang, looking forward to watching the last series of Killing Eve. I think the first episode is tonight, but I'm also sad that this is the end for this. Absolutely love these characters. Is anyone else going to watch the final season? I am. And Rob, you're the one who turned me on to Killing Eve. And I remember after you raved about it to me, I remember, well, I better jump on. I, I think I got some kind of streaming app. I, it was the B, hopped on BBC America's streaming thing, started watching it, and binged the entire first season yeah. in like a day and a half. And the first season's great. Oh, yeah, it's very, very good. Really good. And it never, it doesn't, I mean, Maybe it lost a little bit of steam, but you got uh, Jodie Comer, who that's really where she was discovered to the world. And a good Canadian girl, yep. Sandra Oh. 
that then went on to be in uh, Free Guy, and then she was in uh, what's the one she just did with Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon, and uh, 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 the Last the, Duel. Uh, the Last Duel. Thank you. Where she was amazing, amazing in the Last Duel. She's really good. I love but her. But she is so good as this character. And her, her, she's Irish, and she knocks out those accents like there's no tomorrow. I was surprised when I heard her really speak, because I, I just that's all I could see her as, because that was my first exposure to her was Killing Eve, and that's all I could hear was that accent. Uh, I know. I saw on the Graham Norton show, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, she was amazing. All right. Uh, next up. Oh, and this is the final question of the day. Comes us from No Jim. Uh, Rob, have you been rocking out to Highway in the Anger Zone? I have. The soundtrack for the Batman is so, so good. Hints of the Nolan's trilogy, Casablanca, Casino Royale, uh, BM 1989, uh, Gino Chino's work on Trek and Mission Impossible. Brilliant stuff. He's dead, Jim. Is there a thing on the soundtrack called Anger Zone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I didn't it, know the it, name it, of the They stuff. just released it. I want to say they released it over the weekend. So that was the fourth track they've released after the Catwoman uh, piece. Right. That's Dude, that score is amazing. And I, But I have to tell you, John, I have to tell you, man, I can't picture... The scenes that these this music goes to, because it's so many different styles of music. Like the Catwoman music is great, but it's it's like jazz, and I'm I'm like, what's going on? Like, where where's because the scene we've seen with Catwoman is different than this music. Well, the scene we got was high octane. Yeah, I mean, and then, but this yeah. music, the score, the the Highway to the Danger Zone. There's a big car chase in the movie that we've seen in the trailers. That's where I think that's probably from. Ah. And it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. The score is awesome. Tomorrow, right, dude. Tomorrow, we're, we're going to go see this. A little this. more than 24 hours away. And guys, that'll do it for this installment of Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for being here, making this video part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those comments and questions. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved with the John Camby Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the big guy sitting next to me right here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at RMBurnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. But mostly, I just hang out in the John Campia Show. Oh, and it's good to have you here. And you guys can, of course, follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, simply at John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. Make sure you come on back and join us for the John Campia Show tomorrow. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.